0: It's
1: the live podcast show. Here are your hosts, two guys and their fishbowl, Scott Atwood and Greg Gately. Uh, hoy hoy, Disney fans, entertainment fans, the live podcast show fans. Thank you so much for being here tonight. We have a very special presentation but before we get to that let me bring in the man from the live the man from the live. you know what we're just just saying just 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 go with it just go with it wow just we are going with it it's welcome to the chaos that is the live podcast show uh let me this is why they're fans this is exactly why they're fans the co-host And owner of the live podcast show from the House of Mouse Expo, the Main Street Mouse, Lost Princess Apparel, the Main Street Avenger himself. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, as always, Mr. Scott Atwood. Scott, welcome to the chaos. Thank you, my friend. How are you doing today? Uh, I was great. Um, I'm doing better now that we have done this. Uh, I'm really really excited for what the audience gets to listen to
2: today. I know we put out that little teaser on uh, the socials about something coming on Christmas Eve. And, um, I think they're going to be, I think a lot of people are gonna be in for a surprise. I think they're going to like it.
1: I think they're going to really like it. You know, what I, I really like is, uh, we put the image up, uh, yeah. we put it all over our social media. We got a little bit of a buzz about it, which was awesome. But somebody said to me something really good or put it in one of the comments thank you for putting up these pictures because i love to have the visual of how you guys record
2: yes i saw that that's awesome that uh, i think it was uh, tj murphy actually she's one of our uh, administrators um who follows along with us and uh yeah i saw that she's she it helps her kind of put the whole thing together um her visually to go with the audio so that's awesome
1: that's Awesome. I, I really do appreciate it. So thank you guys so much. We, d- we do listen and read the comments because we're trying to build something here. And, uh, so today, Scott, um, what do you want to talk about?
2: I think we should talk about what's coming on Christmas Eve. Well, it should be, if they're listening oh, to this, Christmas, it's Christmas Eve. If you're,
1: if you're listening to this, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas.
2: Christmas. happy holidays, Santa's um, making his way to the USA.
1: Yeah, Santa, where is, do we have, we need the live podcast show Santa tracker next year.
2: Oh my gosh. That would be awesome. If we could do that, just report him. He's now in this country and he's, he's flying to this. country. Oh, he's every few little... minutes
1: we go on. It's like, and we just, but we have to do the full intro every single time. Every single
2: time. And then you go, oh, look at Santa missed little Billy's house. Billy must've been a bad uh, boy this year. Poor Billy. Billy shouldn't have been a jerk, little jerk, Billy beat up his sister like that you can't do that nowadays yeah
1: what are you doing billy come on man there no no guitar hero for you do the kids even play guitar hero anymore no Uh, i don't don't know know, um so we have a very special uh presentation and obviously people probably already know we did a radio show Mm -hmm. uh old school like think of um old jack benny stuff like that radio show of a christmas carol Um, what we loved about this was Scott came up to the, with the idea a few months ago and was like, I would love to do like an old school, we all stand around the microphone and we all read our parts and we all do this. Um, and you mentioned this and Mm -hmm. I'm going to make the credit for this because it, it lit a light bulb over my head and I went, we're doing it. So Scott and I work really well together in the fact of you will throw out these ideas And I just run
2: with them. Well, yeah, you're good about figuring out the, um, the dynamics of how we can make it happen where I I'll come up with the ideas. That's the easy part is for me is the idea, but to actually figure it out and put it all together. And I guess that's what brought me and you together to do all this, because we were both kind of missing the other one to make this things like this happen. I mean we both had ideas on our own we both had ideas of how things could happen but now that we're able to bounce them off one another and figure out the best way to go forward i think i think this is gonna be the first of many of these Uh,
1: this is going to be i think what we did was after we were done recording uh there was and we're going to go through the list of who plays what character but Mm -hmm. i think there was nine of us total who got together to do this Uh, We also included our family members, our kids, because they all were like, oh, that's cool. Can I be a role? And we both of us were like, of course, this is Christmas. We are both family businesses. We are both independent contract or independent businesses, business owners. So we were like, yeah, this is why we do this is so we can spend time with kids. But we were also joined by um, by other sites and by Mm -hmm. other people who we share this disney media bubble with right uh and it was really nice to get to work with other people um and we don't do that very often but it's really nice we have a great group of people who are going to be joining us today for this and i want to thank them all uh and then we're going to go through the the list of who plays who in a second here um and we'll thank them each individually but definitely as you were saying this is the beginning of something we already like you just came up with the idea of what's next year so we already have a whole year in advance planned out because this was so much fun
2: it was a lot of fun and the thing was as you're listening to this please keep in mind we really did not rehearse this not as a group ever we kind of just ran with it and we threw it out there (laughs) you can tell and i think that's what's gonna make it best it's gonna it It's not well polished. It's not that perfect radio drama. They're going to know we're still learning, but I I think it's cool to take it from here and see where it's going to be a year from now. Like how we do the next. I like
1: not being perfect. I think Scott, you and I are not perfect people and I'm okay with people seeing behind the scenes and the, and the little foibles we make. I mean, look, you called my man Fizzlewig. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Straight up called him Fizzlewig, so I I left that in. By the way, oh great, thanks. <laughs> like, so we're there's some I I could have I could have Scott I could have gone through and edited and made it perfect. Okay. Yeah, and we I, did record when like, like, we messed up. Yes, what, I was whatever like, we what were doing we're going to treat this like a radio show. So pretty much the read through that we did is there, Mm -hmm. I think this is going to turn into maybe in the future, we'll do have be able to get good enough and do these live in front of an audience or something like that. But, um, I want to thank you personally for coming up with this idea. Uh, and then we ran with it and then, uh, Real quick, let's go through the roles. That way, everybody knows who is coming and what. Go ahead, Scott. You yeah, but just before
2: you do that, though, um, you thanking me for coming up. I, I need to thank you because you know how I am, and a lot of these things are just dreams that come in my head. And I'm like, this would be so cool to do. So I appreciate you so much figuring out how we could do this and make it work. And I know the editing and all that. You're you're really good with it. And if it was me editing, it might not be out till next Christmas. But because you're editing it and you know what you're doing, you're really good with the 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 program to make it all come together. Um, So thank you, thank you for helping make a uh, vision and dream of mine come reality. And I'm just That's glad my, that we were able to do it my together. Safe space.
1: I get under headphones and nobody bothers me. I'm in my safe space. It's just like, look, it's me. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's me. Anyway, Um, of course, I don't know where I was going with it. It's okay. It's just so run like, with it. This, this is why they listen to us. Right. This hour long show has become two hours. Now that we're talking, we were trying to keep it short. So, um, here's who, uh, just so you guys know, as we begin, we obviously welcome to, uh, how do I want this to welcome to the Christmas, a Christmas Carol, a radio play adaption done by Mr. Charles Dickens, uh, our cast of characters tonight that you will hear there is, um, Let's start with you, Scott. You are Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge,
2: yes. as the yes. lead
1: role. And then you are also playing Frida's husband. We, <laughs> yeah, have, I... <laughs> we have changed the uh, the role of, of Fred into a female version. Um, and it does bite us once in a while on the podcast or on the radio show. But I think that's imp- good. Him or her. <laughs> Exactly. So, if you're listening, yeah, if you're listening, there's, there's, you just wait till you hear that. And I think at one point you hear Michelle just going, "I'm a her," like, oh, (laughs) oh, okay. (laughs) So, so that tells uh, you who's Frida, (laughs) right? Which brings us to playing Frida, uh, also uh, playing the ghost of Christmas past, uh, Mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen, none other than the Main Street Mouse herself. Michelle Atwood yes. your beautiful yeah. wife who did such an amazing yeah. job um had a great time doing it she your did. son Aiden yes plays the role of alms collector number one yes and Peter Cratchit
2: he did and he was the, he and, and Aiden was a the theater person in school so he really this kind of got him back into what he loved doing when he was back in school so I was excited to have him in that
1: uh, as Mrs. Cratchit and bell, both young and old will be my wife, Holly. She did phenomenal. She did great playing Martha Cratchit and alms collector. Number two would be my daughter, Rory Gately.
2: Again, she did a wonderful job. So excited to have her on it.
1: Uh, my son, Colin plays young Scrooge and middle
2: young Scrooge, teenage Scrooge and young Scrooge. He was the, the younger version time. of me. He, he yes. was. He was evil like me just angry Uh, but he did great playing
1: the 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 seminal role of tiny tim we have (laughs) none other than kevin the bear from disney magic kingdom joins us yes Uh, as i think one of the one of the people i'm about to mention here said it best we just sat there for an hour and a half just to get to one punchline
2: we really did but for those Cause I have a feeling there's gonna be people who are gonna listen to this who have never heard our podcast. And they're gonna wonder who is Kevin the Bear? And <laughs> I mean and, and the name says it all. It's Kevin the it's Bear. Kevin. Who was at the Magic Kingdom, who broke into the Magic yeah. Kingdom a few months back, uh, but he joined us on the podcast. And I think I think he stole the show.
1: Yeah, and we uh we pay him in honey.
2: We do. It's great, it's cheap.
1: <laughs> It's great. He came on, did two lines, got out the door. We were like, ah, feel better. Uh, We want to especially thank uh, Sam from Sam's Disney Diary. Uh, He was playing the role of Bob Cratchit
3: uh,
1: and Marley. And he is narrator number four in this. And that is Sam from Sam's Disney Diary. Please check out his Instagram, his YouTube especially. And then he runs samsdisneydiary.com. Mm-hmm. So, again, thank you so much, Sam, for joining Definitely.
2: us. Thanks, Sam. And I then we have,
1: have oh, Sam, he's just great, man. Just, I, I, we get to hang out with him. Uh, not only uh, do I do a Wednesday night live show with him, but we right. get to hang out in the parks and stuff when he comes down. So he was able to join us uh, for this radio show.
2: That
1: mm-hmm. was wonderful. And then as Ghost of Christmas Present and narrator number five, we have a Jeremy From Main Street Magic.
2: Correct. Yep. The podcast. Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, they have a great podcast, him and his wife, Rhonda. uh, And they also have a Facebook group and Instagram and all that other stuff. So uh, check out Main Street Magic. Those Mm guys. Uh, Jeremy is absolutely a professional podcaster, um, unlike us who just play one on TV.
2: And his reading, when we were sitting there going through and we were doing the show his reading was perfect. I mean, he was on point for everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's like, he's, he's standing above and beyond all of us. <laughs> he did
1: great. Yeah, phenomenal, a phenomenal job. And then, uh, yours, yours truly, I am narrator one, narrator two and narrator three. And mm-hmm. I get the role of director and, uh, editor and technical yeah. director and music
2: producer. and sound everything you you did everything yeah if if there's a position and you did fantastic with all of it though to bring this no no
1: no no. i'm just i'm literally it's 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 i the love of doing this um really shines and this is why i think we listed this as a christmas gift to um all the fans out there whether you are a fanatics blog fan whether you love lost princess apparel whether you love house of mouse expo Whether you love the Main Street Mouse, uh, Main Street Magic, you like Sam's Disney Diary, this is our Christmas gift to you. And uh, we loved what we did. We We love what you're about to listen to. Uh, And this is our Christmas gift to all of you out there. And we hope that you love this. Please drop us a line. Let us know how you want it. If you would like to hear more, you can get us here at the live podcast show. And we appreciate every single one of you, Scott, you get to, uh, get to end us here
2: on this. Thank you all so much for your support. We really hope you enjoy this. Uh, this is one of those Christmas gifts you can't return, so uh, please, please enjoy it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, hopefully tell it, like, like Greg just said, drop us a message. Let us know if you guys liked it so we can do more of these for you. Um, they're just going to get better as we go on. So thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate all your support. And 2024 is going to be a fantastic year for the Live Podcast Show and all of our affiliated sites from there.
1: And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Live Podcast Show presents... A Christmas Carol. There it stood, a sign above the counting house door, Scrooge and Marley. Scrooge never painted out old Marley's name after his death, Sometimes people new to the business called Scrooge by his name, sometimes Marley, but he answered to both names. It was all the same to him. Scrooge was hard and sharp at first, self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his features, stiffened his gait, and permeated his voice. His coldness permeated everything about him and followed him everywhere he went. Scrooge's office was frigid in the winter, and he didn't warm it a single degree at Christmas. External heat and cold had little influence on Scrooge. No warmth could warm, nor wintry weather chill him. The heaviest rain, snow, hail, and sleet could boast of only one advantage over him. It often came down handsomely, as Scrooge never did. Nobody ever stopped him in the street to say, my dear Scrooge, how are you? When will you join me for dinner? No beggars dared ask him to bestow a trifle. Children did not ask, please sir. Do you know what time it is? Even the blind man's dog seemed to know better than to approach him. And when they saw Scrooge coming, they would tug their owners out of the way. Once upon a time, on Christmas Eve of all days, Scrooge was hard at work in his counting house. It was cold, bleak, an unusually dim winter day. The clocks had only just struck three, but it was already quite dark outside. Candles were flickering merrily in the windows of the neighboring offices. The door of Scrooge's office was open to ensure that he could keep an eye on his clerk, Bob Cratchit, who sat in the dismal little desk working diligently. Scrooge had a meager fire for himself, but the clerk's fire was so small that it looked like a single lit coal, but the clerk could not replenish it for Scrooge kept the coal box by his side. When Cratchit glanced at the small fire with a glint of hope in his eye, Scrooge scowled at his clerk. The clerk shivered, pulled close his comforter and tried to warm himself at the candle. Suddenly, the door of the counting house blew open.
4: A Merry Christmas, Uncle. God save you.
2: Bah humbug.
4: Christmas a humbug, Uncle. You don't mean that, I am sure.
2: I do. Merry Christmas. What right have you to be merry? What reason have you to be merry? You're poor enough.
4: Come then, what right have you to be dismal? What reason have you to be morose? You're rich enough.
2: Bah humbug.
4: Don't be cross, uncle.
2: What else can I be when I live in such a world of fools? Merry Christmas. Out upon Merry Christmas, what Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money, a time for finding yourself a year older but not an hour richer? If I could work my will, every idiot who goes on about a Merry Christmas would be roasted with his own goose and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Uncle, niece, keep Christmas in your own way. And let me keep it in mind.
4: Keep it but you don't keep it.
2: Let me keep it in my custom then. Much good may it do you much good it has ever done you.
4: There are many things from which I might have derived good by which I have not profited. I dare say Christmas amongst the rest. I am sure I've always thought of Christmas time when it has come around as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. The only time I know of in and to think of other people. People below them in means, but equal in them in dignity. No dignity. No, no doubt. Bad, you know? <laughs> the only time I know of in a long calendar year when men and women seem willing to open their shut up hearts freely. Equals in their right to dignity and joy and celebration of life. And therefore, uncle, though it has to do me good, I also say, God bless it.
2: God bless you, each and every one. One more sound from you and you'll be celebrating Christmas at the soup kitchen.
4: Please don't be angry, uncle. Come dine with us tomorrow.
2: I suggest you share your Christmas sermon with all your other sentimental folk that wind up in Bedlam, where they belong. But why? Why did you get married?
4: Because I fell in love
2: because you fell in love good afternoon
4: uncle you never came to see me before that happened why give it a reason for not coming now
2: good afternoon
4: i want nothing from you i ask nothing of you why cannot we be friends good
2: afternoon
4: i am sorry with all my heart to find you so resolute we have never had any quarrel and i am aware that i am aware of but i have come to to you in honor of the holiday and i'll keep my christmas humor to the last so a merry christmas uncle and a happy new year and to you as well mr Cratchit.
5: thank you kindly ma'am on
1: making his exit scrooge's nephew had let two other people in they were alms collectors pleasant behold they stood in scrooge's office and they had books and papers in their hands and bowed their heads as they stood before him. Scrooge and Marley's, I believe? Have have I the pleasure of addressing Mr.
2: Scrooge and Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley has been dead for seven years. He died seven years ago this very night.
3: We have no doubt his liberality is well represented by his surviving partner.
2: It is more than usually desirable that we set aside provisions for the poor and destitute, who suffers greatly at the present time. Many thousands are in want of Necessities. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts, sir. Are there no prisons? There are plenty of prisoners. Excellent. I was afraid from what you said at first that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course. I'm very glad to hear that.
3: They scarcely bring Christmas cheer of mind or body to the destitute. In light of that, a few of us are endeavoring to procure the poor some food and drink. And means of harm. We choose this, life,
6: this time
3: more so than any other time when, want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices.
2: Um, what shall I put you down for? Nothing. You wish to be anonymous? I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. I pay my share of taxes and support prisons the workhouses, and the like, they cost enough, and those who are badly off must go there.
3: Many can't go there. Many would rather die.
2: If they would rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus of population. If your business is concluded, I suggest you make an exit. Good afternoon. Unresty Mary gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Silence! Silence, I say!
1: length the hour of shutting up
2: the counting house had arrived you'll want all day tomorrow i suppose if quite convenient sir it's not convenient it's not fair why should i lose a day's wages while you receive a day's wages without a day work if you would be so kind
5: mr scrooge after all it's only once a year and my wife and children cherish it so
2: a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of december but i suppose you must have the whole day be here all the earlier the next morning
5: I will, sir, I promise you, and a very Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year to you and yours.
1: Bah humbug. Scrooge, having no reason to stay at the counting house, went to his quiet quarters. He lived in Chambers, which had once belonged to his deceased partner. His home was dreary and dismal enough, for no one lived in it but Scrooge. Now, it is fact that there was nothing at all exceptional about the knocker on the door to Scrooge's home, except that it was very large. It was also a fact that Scrooge had seen it night and morning during his whole residence in that place. But it also be said that Scrooge had not spared one thought on Jacob Marley since he had mentioned his partner's death early that very afternoon. And then... Let any man explain to me, if he can, how it happened that Scrooge, having left his key in the lock of the door, looked at the knocker and saw not a knocker, but Jacob Marley's face. Startled, Scrooge sought to take a closer look, but as he received from his shock, the knocker appeared to be simply a knocker once more. To say that he was not startled or that his heart was not beating hard, Would be untrue. But Scrooge put his hand upon the doorknob regardless, turned it sturdily, walked in, lit the candle, and closed the door with a bang. Scrooge was not the sort of man to be frightened by echoes, but the sight of Jacob Marley's face was burned into his mind's eye and made him uneasy he fastened he fastened the door and walked across the hall and up the stairs more cautiously than usual before he shut he, before he shut the door to his bedroom scrooge glanced about the hallway to ensure that everything appeared as it always had he had just enough recollection of his face to feel the need to survey the room satisfied that all was in the usual state He closed his bedroom door and locked himself in double locked himself. In fact, which was not very custom, confident that he was safe and sound. He took off his cravat dressed for bed and sat down before the fire. It was a low fire indeed, a trifle, one would say on a bitter night. Still, it was warm and warded off the darkness and the cold. Humbug. As the humbug left his mouth, Scrooge became aware of the soft ringing of a bell. It was with great astonishment and with strange, unexpectedly dread, unexplicably dread, we're just going with that, that he stood up and looked to find the source of the sound. He heard the bell begin to ring louder and louder, and slowly but surely, more and more bells joined the other world choir. Soon, the room was flooded with sounds and loud, cacophonous bells. Suddenly, the bells ceased as they had begun. Together, they were succeeded by a clanking noise as if some person were dragging a heavy heavy chain across a stone floor. Scrooge then remembered once hearing that ghosts had haunted houses were often described as dragging chains. It's
2: humbug still. I won't believe it.
1: His skin grew pale through when, without a pause, it came through a bedroom door and entered into the room before his eyes. The dying flame in the fireplace leaped up as if it were to exclaim, I know him. That is Marley's ghost. And died, leaving the room dark, except for the faint eerie light emanating from the specter. The chain it drew was clasped about his middle. It was long and wound about him. It was made of cash boxes, keys, padlocks, ledgers, deeds, and heavy purses wrought in steel. His body was transparent, so that Scrooge, observing him, could see the smoldering wood in the fireplace.
5: Who are you? Ask me who I was. Who were you then? You're particular for a shade. In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Can you, can you sit down? I can. Scrooge
1: asked the question because he didn't know whether a ghost might find itself able to sit in a chair. But the ghost sat down on the opposite side of the fireplace as if he were quite used to it.
5: You don't believe in me? I don't. What reason do you have to doubt your senses?
2: I don't know. Why do you doubt your senses? Because a little thing affects them. Perhaps I'm having a bad dream. Perhaps you are the product of a bad meal. You may be the product of an undigested bit of beef, a crumb of bad cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. That's more of the gravy than a grave about you, whatever you are.
1: Scrooge was
2: not in the habit of cracking jokes, nor did he feel
1: in his heart by any means comical at the moment. The truth is that he tried to be smart as the means of distracting himself and keeping his terror at bay. For the specter's voice disturbed the very marrow of his bones. At his mockery, the spirit raised a frightful cry and shook his chains with such a dismal appalling noise that Scrooge held on tight to his chair
2: to save himself from falling to the ground in fear. Mercy, I beg thee, dreadful apparition. Why do you trouble me? Man of
5: worldly mind, do you believe in me or not? I do, I must, but why do spirits walk the earth and why do they come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk among his fellow men and travel far and wide. And in that spirit goes no forth in life. It is condemned to do so after life. It is doomed to wander through the world and witness what it cannot share, but might have shared on earth. And turned to happiness. Oh, woe is me.
2: You are wrapped in
5: chains. Will you tell me why? I wear the chains I forgot in life. I girded on my own will, and of my own free will, I wore it. Do you know the weight and length of the strong coil you bear yourself? Yours was full and as heavy and as long as this. Seven Christmas Eves ago, you had labored on it since yours is a tremendous chain.
1: Scrooge glanced about to him on the floor, expecting to find himself surrounded by the 50 or 60 fat horns of iron cable, but he could see nothing.
2: Oh, Jacob Marley, I don't understand. Have you anything comforting to tell me? I have no comfort
5: to give Ebenezer Scrooge. I cannot rest, I cannot stay, I cannot linger anywhere. My spirit never left our counting house. Mark me. In life, my spirit never roved beyond the narrow limits of our money changing whole. And weary journey lie before me till the end of eternity.
2: You must have been very slow about it, Jacob. Slow? Seven years dead and traveling all the time? The whole time.
5: No rest, no peace. Torture or remorse? You travel
2: fast on the wings of the wind. You may have got over a great quantity of ground in seven ye- The ghost, on hearing this, set up another
1: cry and clanked its chains hideously in the dead silence of the night.
5: Capture, bond, and double iron, not to know the age of innocent labor by immortal creatures, for the earth must pass into eternity before the good of which it's suspectable is all developed not to know that any christian spirit working kindly in its little spear whatever it may be will find its mortal life too short for its vast means of usefulness not to know that no space of regret can make amends for one's life opportunity misused yet such was i oh such was i but you were always a good man of business jacob business mankind was my business the common welfare was my business charity mercy for and and what <laughs> forbearance and benevolence leave that in that's funny mankind was my business the common welfare of my business charity mercy forbearance for were all my business the dealings of my trade were a drop of water and the comprehensive ocean of my business.
1: The ghost held up his chain at arm's length as if that were the cause of the unra- un- b- b- <clears throat> The ghost held up its chains at arm's length as if that were the cause of all this unavailing grief
5: and flung it heavily upon the ground. At this time of my rolling year, I suffer most. Why do I walk through crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down and never raise them to the blessed star which led the wise men to a poor adore? Were there, were there no poor homes to which its light would have conceived me? Were there no poor homes to which its lights would have conducted me? That's,
1: a, that's different. Not That's just weird. (laughs) Scrooge was deeply disturbed by the ghost words and began to tremble.
5: Hear me. My time is nearly gone. I will. Don't be vague, Jacob. Please. How is it that I appear before you in a shape that you can see? I may not tell. I have sat invisible behind you many and many a day. It was not an agreeable idea. Scrooge shivered and wiped the cold perspiration from his brow. There is no light part of my presence. I am here tonight to warn you that you have yet to change, that you have yet a chance and a hope of escaping my fate, a chance and hope of procuring Ebenezer. You were always a good friend to me, thank you. You will be haunted by three spirits.
2: Scrooge could feel his heart beating rapidly in his chest. Is that the chance and hope you mentioned, Jacob? It is. I-, I think I'd rather not. Without their visits, you cannot
5: hope to shun the path I tread. Except the first when the clock strikes me, mi- expect the first when the clock strikes midnight, the second when the church bells song has ended and the last When faith is lost, for your own sake, remember what has passed between us.
2: Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over with, Jacob? The apparition walked
1: backward, and at every step it took, the window raised itself a little so that when the specter reached it, it was wide open. It beckoned Scrooge to approach, which he did. When they were within two paces of each other, Marley's ghost held up its hand, warning him to come no nearer. Scrooge stop. Scrooge became aware of confused noises in the air, heart remembering sounds of lamentations and regret. Wailing unexpressively sorrowful and accusatory. The spectre, after listening for a moment, joined in the mournful dirge. The floated and floated out into the bleak dark night. Scrooge approached the window desperately in his curiosity. The air was filled with phantoms, wandering hither and thither in restless haste and moaning as they went. Every one of them were chained like Marley's ghost. Some few were linked together, but none were free. The source of their misery was clear. They sought to interfere for good in human matters and had lost the power forever. Whether these specters faded into the evening mist or the evening mist enshrouded them, Scrooge could not tell, but the specters and their voices faded, and the night became as still and silent as it had been as he had walked home. Scrooge closed the window and examined the door by which the ghost had entered. It was double locked and the bolts were undisturbed. He tried to say humbug, but found himself speechless and being from the emotion he had undergone or the fatigue of the day or the glimpse of the invisible world or the conversation of the ghost or the lateness of the hour much in need of a response he went straight to bed and fell asleep upon the instant
6: And all the bells on earth shall ring on Christmas
3: Day in the
5: morning.
6: And all the angels in heaven shall sing on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. And all the angels in heaven shall sing on Christmas Day.
1: When Scrooge awoke, it was so dark he could hardly see to the end of the bed in the gloom. Scrooge scared. Scro. <laughs> oh yeah. Scrooge scrambled out of bed and groped his way to the window. He rubbed at the frost off. He rubbed frost off the window with the <laughs> sleeves of his dressing gown before he could see anything. And even then, he could only see a little. All he could make out was that it was still very foggy and extremely cold. It was quiet and still. Scrooge went back to bed again and thought and thought and thought it over and over and over and could make nothing of it. The more he thought, the more perplexed he was. And the more he endeavored not to think, the more he thought. Marley's ghost bothered him a great deal. Every time he was able to, almost able to convince himself that it was all a dream, Jacob Marley's face flashed before his eyes.
2: Was it a dream or not?
1: Scrooge laid in bed pondering. Scrooge remembered with a start that Marley had warned him that he would receive his first ghostly visitor when the bell struck midnight. He resolved to lie awake until the hour was past. Suddenly, and without warning, a glorious light filled the room. Scrooge found himself face to face with an unearthly visitor. It was a strange figure, like a child, and yet not a child. Its hair, which hung about its neck and down its back, was white with the age, and yet the face had not seen a single wrinkle. It wore a tunic of the purest white, and round its waist was bound a lustrous belt, the sheen of which was beautiful. The light that had seemed to summon the visitors appeared to emanate from the ghost itself, just like a candle whose light flickers and seems to co-
2: consistently move. So... Who did the ghosts? Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? I am. Who and what are you?
4: I am the ghost of Christmas past.
2: Long past?
4: No, your past, Scrooge.
2: Is it possible for you to dim your light? After all, it is past midnight.
4: Would you so soon put out the light I give when so many of your fellow men wish too ardently for it to shine upon themselves?
2: Why have you come?
4: For your welfare, Scrooge.
2: Thank you, spirit, though I cannot help but feel that a full night's rest would be better for my.
4: Take heed and rise and walk with me. It would have been in vain for Scrooge to plead that the weather
1: and the hour were not to his liking. The spirit's grasp, though gentle, was not to be resisted. He rose, but finding that the spirit made towards the window began to falter. I am immortal. I'll fall to my death.
4: Bear but a touch of my hand, and you shall be safe.
1: As the words were spoken, they passed through the wall and stood upon a country road with fields surrounding them. The city had vanished entirely, not a vestige of it to be seen anywhere. The darkness and the mist had vanished, and it was clear, cold, wintry's day, and the snow was upon the ground.
2: Good heaven! I was bred in this place. I was a boy here.
1: Scrooge flooded with a thousand thoughts and hopes and joys and cares long, long
2: forgotten.
4: Your lip is trembling. And what is that upon your cheek?
2: Nothing, spirit.
4: Do you remember the way?
2: I could walk it blindfolded.
4: Let us go then.
1: They walked along the road until a little market town appeared in the distance with a bridge, a church, and a winding river. A group of young boys appeared before them they shouted gleefully to one another and played
4: in the snow these are but shadows of the things that have been they have no consciousness of us
2: i remember all of them their names their favorite games everything scrooge marveled why did his cold eye glisten
1: and his heart leap up when they were pressed why did his cold eye glisten and his heart leap up they went past as they went past i will get this right why why was the, <laughs> ah.
4: why, <laughs>
1: why can't I do this one? <clears throat> Scrooge marveled. Why did his cold eye glisten and his heart leap up as they went past? Why was he filled with gladness when he heard them give each other Merry Christmas as they parted and headed for home? What was Merry Christmas to Scrooge? Out
4: upon Merry
1: Christmas. What good had it ever done to him?
4: The school is not quite deserted. A solitary child neglected by his friends is still there.
1: I know. They walked and soon approached a mansion of a dull red brick. Entering a dreary hall, the ghost and Scrooge walked to a door at the, to the back of the house. It opened before them and showed them a melancholy room filled with many desks. At one of the desks, a lonely boy was reading near a feeble fire. The spirit touched him on the arm and pointed to his younger self, intent upon his reading.
2: Poor boy, I wish, but it's too late now.
4: What is the matter?
2: There was a boy singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. I should like to have given him something, that's all.
1: As the words left his mouth, Scrooge's younger self grew older and the room became darker and disheveled. The windows cracked. Fragments of plaster fell from the ceiling, and the room carried an air of hopelessness. Scrooge looked at the ghost, and with a mournful shaking of his head, glanced anxiously towards the door. It opened, and a young lady came darting in and threw her arms about him.
3: Brother, I have come to take you home. Home? "Yes. Father is so much kinder than he used to be. That home is like heaven. Wait, he spoke so gently to me one night that i was not afraid to ask him once more if you said you might come home and he said yes and sent me a coach to bring you we're 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 all to be together for christmas and have the merriest time
4: in all the world a delicate and dear thing but she had a large heart
2: so she had
4: she died a young woman having borne one child your nephew scrooge
1: Freda. In the blink of an eye, Scrooge and the ghost stood before the door of a warehouse in the midst of a busy city
2: street. I was apprenticed here. They walked through the door. Why, it's old Fizzlewig. Bless his heart, it's Fizzlewig alive again. Feziewig. F- 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 Sorry. Fizzle I'll redo wig. it. I like Fizzlewig <laughs> better. Shut up.
1: Oh, I love that Fizzlewig. Okay, I'll redo the, it. The bubbles in my nose. <laughs> Are you done?
4: Go back to your Irish accent. (laughs) Scrooge
2: is Irish. You didn't know. Scrooge is... They walked through the door. Why, it's old Fezziwig. Bless his heart, it's Fezziwig alive again.
4: A small matter to make these silly folks so full of gratitude.
2: Small? The man threw the most lavish parties you'd ever seen. With enough food to feed an army, enough drink to drown a navy. He hired musicians and he gave his apprentices the week off.
4: He has spent a pittance of his total wealth to provide for such merriment. Is that so much that he deserves this praise?
2: It isn't that spirit. He had the power to render us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or burdensome, a pleasure or a toil. The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it costs a fortune. What is the matter? I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now.
4: My time grows short, quick.
2: Again,
1: Scrooge saw himself. He was older now a man in the prime of his life he was not alone but out sat by his side a fair young girl there were tears in her eyes which sparkled in the light that shone out of the ghost of christmas past
5: this is the way of the world there is nothing more grueling and painful as poverty and there's nothing more
2: valuable than the pursuit of wealth
6: you fear poverty more than you love people
2: why does that matter I love you, isn't that enough?
1: The fair girl shook her head.
2: Our contract is an old one. It was made when we were both poor and content to be poor. I work to provide us the means to rise above our station. We should improve our worldly fortune and our...
6: What's that word?
5: And our patient industry.
6: You have seen why I fell in love... When I fell in love with you, you were another man.
5: I was a boy. A foolish boy at that.
6: We were happy then. And that is all I ever wanted. I can no longer bear the sight of the man you've become.
5: What changed Belle?
6: Your nature, your spirit, Ebenezer. I would gladly think otherwise if I could. You you may. The memory of the man you were makes me hope that you will have pain in this. You will suffer briefly. And then dismiss the memory of it gladly, as it were an unprofitable dream. You may, you may, you be happy in the life you have chosen, Ebenezer.
1: She left him, and Scrooge and the ghost looked on their fair young woman, began to walk away.
2: Spirit, show me no more. Conduct me home. Why do you delight to torture
4: me? One memory more.
1: a room not very large or handsome but full of comfort appeared about Scrooge and the ghost. Near to the fireplace sat a beautiful woman sitting opposite her daughter. The mother and daughter laughed heartily as a gaggle of cheerful young children played about the room but now a knocking at the door was heard and such a rush immediately ensued. Just in time to greet the father who came home attended by a man laden with christmas toys and presents scrooge looked on more attentive than ever when the master of the house having his daughter leaning fondly on him sat down with her mother and her own fires at her own fireside scrooge considered the pride and joy he might have known of having such a daughter and bowed his head in regret my dear I saw an old friend of yours this afternoon.
6: Who was it? Yes. Not Ebenezer Scrooge. Not Ebenezer Scrooge.
1: His partner Jacob Marley is near death, I hear, and he sat alone in the counting house. Quite
2: alone in the world, I do believe. Spirit, remove me from this place.
4: I told you these were the shadows of the things that have been. That they are what they are. Do not blame me.
2: Remove me. I cannot bear it. Like a candle on the verge
1: of burning out, the spirit's light flickered and began to grow dim. Leave me. Take me back. Haunt me no longer. Unaware he had returned to his bedroom chamber before he had finished his plea, Scrooge found himself standing in the dark. He returned to his bed and fell into a deep sleep. Scrooge tore himself from his sheets and sat upright on his bed. Grasping for breath and drenched with cold sweat, his eyes darted about in the darkness, desperately searching for the flickering light of the ghost of Christmas past. Content that the room was as dark and undisturbed as it had been before
2: Marley's arrival, Scrooge gave a sigh of relief. Thank the stars it was nothing more than a bad dream. Still, it all seemed so real. Scrooge
1: wiped off the perspiration from his brow and glanced at the window. It was still night. In fact, the church bell had yet to cease its chiming. Content that he was safe, Scrooge yawned and settled himself back into bed.
2: Perhaps I should consider a career in writing for theater. The things my mind can conjure. Expect the first when the clock strikes midnight. The second when the church bell's song has ended and the last when faith is lost. What a load of hogwash.
1: Scrooge smiled like a contented child. He closed his eyes and savored the sound of the church's bells. On most nights, that sound would have filled him with irritation. Tonight, it was a sweet symphony. Silence, the sweet, comfortable silence of Christmas Eve. Scrooge inhaled deeply through his nose. He could have sworn he was in the midst of a great feast taking place in the woods, for he smelled the most delightful melange of roast meat, freshly baked bread, and a sweet fragrance of holly. Scrooge opened his eyes and was astonished at the sight. It was his own room, but there was no doubt about that, but it had undergone a surprising transformation. The fireplace was lit with the fire of a roaring with the pride of a lion. The walls and the ceiling were covered with lush, verdant greenery. Crisp leaves of holly, mistletoe, and ivy reflected back the light from the fireplace like smiling mirrors. (laughs) Heaped up on the floor like a cornucopia were perfectly roasted turkeys Stacks of richly glazed ham, steaks, and a gaggle of gorgeously prepared geese. Long links of sausage were strung by the room with celebratory like, banners. Streaming chestnuts, cherry creaked apples, and rosy pomegranates hung from the greenery like lanterns. Uptuous and towering cakes tickled the ceiling. Lounging comfortably by the fire was sat a
0: jolly fellow, glorious to see. He bore a wide smile. Come, Scrooge, come and know me better, my dear man. Scrooge
1: rose timidly from his bed and hung his head like a boy, being scolded by his teacher. He was not the proud and arrogant, arrogant Scrooge from earlier that day. And though the spirit's eyes were clear and kind, he did not like them that he took a And though the spirit's eyes were clear and kind, he did not like to meet them. I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. Scrooge did so. The spirit was clothed in a simple green robe that was trimmed with white fur. This garment hung so loosely on his figure, just like lost princess apparel. Did you know that you can find leggings with pockets at lostprincessapparel.com? That's right. That's lostprincessapparel.com for all your legging needs. This garment hung so loosely on on the figure that its chest was bare. Its feet were also bare and on its head, it wore a crown of roses. The guest's hair was such a rich mahogany brown and so long that it fell about its broad chest. Girded around its middle was an antique scabbard, but there was no sword in it, and the sheath appeared to be eaten around with rust. Its genial face, sparkled eye, cheerful voice, and cheerful air brought a smile to Scrooge's face. In spite of his fear, Scrooge's cheer was soon replaced with apprehension. But when he saw that amongst the
0: beautiful petals of the crown of roses were sharp thorns, You have never seen the likes of me before, have you? Never. The Ghost of Christmas
1: Peasant rose from Scrooge's chair.
2: Spirit, conduct me where you will. I went forth last night with the Ghost of Christmas Past and learnt a lesson. If you have something to teach me, let me profit by it. Good man, touch my robe.
1: Scrooge did as he was told. The pleasant scene of fire, food, and foliage vanished instantly. The pair stood in the city streets on Christmas morning, where the people made a rough but not unpleasant kind of music. With their actions, some folks scraped snow from the pavement in front of their dwellings. Children played and dogs barked merrily. Neighbors basked in the warmth of each other's company and merriment and laughter. Though the sky was gloomy and the streets choked up with dingy mist, It was as though a ceasefire had been declared against woe. There was nothing cheerful in the climate, yet there was an air of cheerfulness that even the balmiest spring day would have envied to inspire. Soon the steeples began their song, calling all good Christians to church and chapel, and away they went, flocking through the streets in their best clothes and with the gayest of faces. At the same time, emerging from what seemed like a void, innumerable, disheveled, and underdressed people came shuffling towards the steeple. Though their garments were shabby and their faces thin, they, with want, their eyes shone with hope. The sight of these poor revelers appeared to interest the spirit very much. As they passed, the spirit showered them with glittering light that coalesced into a halo above their heads.
0: What is it that you are throwing on them, spirit? It's the light of gratitude, Scrooge, for even under the weight of their earthly woes and with eyes blinded by mortality, these people's hearts are open to the light of gratitude, and thus they are blessed. Scrooge cast his gaze onto his feet,
1: wondering if... Scrooge cast his gaze to his feet, wondering if, perhaps, to an onlooker, he might have such a light to brighten By his countenance. In time the bell ceased and the town was quiet once more. In the stillness, Scrooge lifted his face and looked at the ghost of Christmas present.
0: Would you share your light with anyone, rich or poor, or indifferent? It is not mine to give or withhold. It is for the people to receive. That said, I do find that it is the poor that most often find themselves open to receiving it. Surely the rich are in need of such a light? Yes, and the rich are often in greater need of such a light, and yet it is often the poor that are most willing to share that light. Therefore, it is of greater prudence to me to ensure that the light is given to those who will do the most good with it. Spirit, I do
2: not understand. Wouldn't your light be best shared by those with the means to share it? After all, how can a poor man share anything when he has nothing to his name?
0: Are you saying that though you have no light to share, you are better equipped to share my gifts than I?
1: Scrooge found himself at a loss for words and hung his head.
0: There are others upon this earth who lay claim to speak on my behalf and who do deeds of passion, pride, ill will, hatred, envy, bigotry, and selfishness in my name. These folks are are strange to me and my kin. Should you choose to share your gifts or keep them to yourself, the choice is yours to be made of your own free will. Charity can only happen freely and with humility. Otherwise, it is not charity. Remember that. Scrooge promised that he would, and they went
1: on, invisible, into the suburbs of the town. Perhaps it was the ghost's kind and generous nature that led them to the Cratchit home. Perhaps it was Scrooge's envy of the grateful and that brought him to the Cratchit home. Maybe it was the light that emanated from the Cratchit home that led Scrooge and the ghost of Christmas present was simply accompanying Scrooge on his journey. Perhaps the light shining from Cratchit's house was the same light that guides all people of faith to good deeds. In any case, once they arrived at the Cratchit home, the house shined even brighter. It shone with such beauty and magnificence that it brought a tear to Scrooge's eye. Bob Cratchit earned a pittance of salary, Scrooge knew that well, and yet Bob Cratchit possessed a gift greater than any of the riches that Scrooge had ever known.
6: Oh dear, I pray Martha will be back soon. Mother, Mother, I am home. Bless your heart, how late you are. I had to finish up the work from last night and clean up the shop this morning, Mother. As long as you are home and safe, I count my blessings with a glad heart, my sweet girl. Sit down before the fire and warm yourself. You'll catch your death in this cold. Your father should be home any minute. I will fetch the little ones.
1: It was as if her words and had magicked her husband home. Bob Cratchit walked in with through the door,
5: his cheeks ruddy from the cold. Martha, my sweet girl, you're home.
3: Mr. and Mrs. Hopkins said that since work was finished, I could take Christmas Day. Here, Father, I brought this from the shop for you.
1: Martha handed her father a patchwork scarf tenderly stitched together. It glowed with a gentle radiance of the morning sun.
3: I made it for you. I know how cold Mr. Scrooge's office is.
5: My sweet girl, thank you,
0: but I insist I want you to keep it for yourself for the walk home from the shop. Father. Scrooge, do you not see the bitter fruits of your selfishness? That poor girl was willing to brave the frost to spare her father suffering in the cold, the cold that you permit to chill your counting house. Surely you can afford to spare the coal to save those two from the cold. Coal is expensive. Yes, it is, and suffering is free. I suppose that is why you find yourself so generous and willing to share your own.
1: Scrooge's face flushed with embarrassment. He was unaccustomed to such naked criticism. Lost for words, he turned his attention back to the Cratchit family.
5: Come 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 dry your eyes where's your
1: mother
6: right here i am here with peter and tiny tim
1: peter hugged his father tightly while tiny tim reached towards him from his mother's arms merry christmas my boy
5: and how did little Tim behave?
6: As good as gold, Bob. Somehow, yet had so thoughtful, sitting by himself so much that the strangest ever heard. Told me when I brought him down, supperless, saw him in church, triple, and that it might be pleasant to be reminded upon Christmas that the Lamb of God helped him to walk, and to see.
1: Bob Cratchit took Tiny Tim from Mitch's. Bob Cratchit took Tiny Tim from Mitch's. Who the hell is Mitch? Bob Cratchit took Tiny Tim from Mrs. Cratchit's hand and hugged him close so that his wife might collect her faculties tiny tim's little wooden crutch stood by the flyer by the fireplace yeah it's by the fireplace the fireplace where it gleamed like a scepter decked in jewels before another word was spoken bob cratchit carried tiny tim to their table followed by martha young peter and his kindly wife such joy filled that room if you didn't know better you might have thought that christmas dinner was a -a once-in-a-lifetime celebration miss cratchit roasted the goose whipped up the gravy made the stuffing and served the meal with the graciousness of a queen peter had mashed the potatoes with incredible vigor and martha sweetened up the applesauce and offered to help the mother set the table to which peter exclaimed that he wished he too could help bob sat tiny tim upon his knee at the head of the table while the two other cratchit children set the table at last the dishes were brought to the table and grace was given it was succeeded by a breathless pause as mrs cratchit with a theatrical pause smiled at her family and prepared to butcher the bird. Air was alive with excitement and even Tiny Tim, excited by the smiles on his family's face, thumped his little hands on the table. Mommy, I'm hungry. There was never a sweeter meal. At last, the dinner was done. The table cleared, the family fed.
5: There was never a sweeter meal. God bless us, each and every one.
3: God bless us. God bless, God bless us. Everyone.
2: everyone. I
0: didn't know that Bob had more than two. Spirit, Tiny Tim will surely grow to be in good health, won't he? If things remain unchanged, I foresee a vacant seat and crutch carefully preserved without an owner. Spirit, I beg you, say he will be spared. If he is to die, he had better do it and increase the surplus population. Those were your words, were they not, Scrooge? Scrooge
1: bit his lip ruefully to hear his own callous words quoted by the spirit and was overcome with penitence and grief. Scrooge, look on. The ghost of Christmas
6: present pointed to the Cratchit family.
5: God bless Mr. Scrooge, the founder of this feast.
6: I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon and I'd hope he'd have a good appetite for it. My
5: dear, the children, it's Christmas day.
6: How can you wish well upon such an odious, stingy, cold, unfeeling man as Ebenezer Scrooge? You know he is, Robert. Nobody knows it better than you do.
5: I wish for his wellness with the same gladness in my heart that I wish for all of you
6: i will not waste my well wishes on a petty and stingy tyrant a long life to him would be a waste better he be snuffed out like a candle quickly and painlessly that is the best i can wish for ebenezer scrooge
2: this christmas she thinks such ill of me have you given
1: her reason to think better of you the mention of scrooge's name cast a dark shadow on the festivities it was the first moment that the family was aware of the bitterness of old of the winter it was the sole moment of despair in their celebration after it had passed they were 10 times merrier than before from the mere relief of scrooge the petty tyrant being done with It was a great surprise to Scrooge to hear an unfamiliar laugh. It was much greater surprise for Scrooge when he realized it was his own nephew's laugh. Scrooge and the Ghost of Christmas Present were standing in a gleaming room beside his nephew and his wife. The Ghost of Christmas Present stood by Scrooge's side, smiling fondly at the sight. While there it is, an unpleasant truth that disease and sorrow are contagious. It is a greater joy to know that there's nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humor. The ghost nodded its head in agreement and looked upon Scrooge with a raised eyebrow.
2: Do you wish to leave? No, no, they seem to be playing a game. I think I'd like to watch them make merry just a little while longer. The happy couple
1: was playing a game called Yes or No, where Scrooge's niece had to think of something and her husband had to figure out what she was thinking of to which Fredetta would only answer yes or no, depending on what was asked of him. Her husband elicited from her that she was thinking of an animal A live animal, a rather disagreeable animal, an animal that growled and grunted sometimes and talked sometimes and walked about the streets. It was not a horse or an ass or a cow or a dog or a pig or a cat. At every question that was asked, Scrooge's niece would burst into a fresh roar of laughter and was so inexpressibly tickled that she was obliged to get up off the sofa and stamp. At least her husband found out. at last her husband found out the answer. I know what it is, Freda.
2: I know what it is. What is it? It's your uncle Scrooge.
4: He has given us plenty of merriment, and it would be ungrateful not to drink to his health. Here is a glass of cider to Uncle Scrooge. He wouldn't take it from me, but he may, but may have he have it nevertheless.
0: Hark! My time
1: is drawing near. Scrooge's eyes were cast to the ground when he realized what was the source of Fred and his wife's laughter. Scrooge found himself rather uncharacteristically sheepish. He noticed a strange sight at the feet of the ghost of Christmas present.
2: What is that protruding
0: from your spirit? (laughs) What is that protruding from your skirts, spirit? Look, and do not shield your eyes.
1: From the foldings of its robe, the ghost brought forth two children, wretched, hideous, and miserable. They knelt down at his feet and clung upon the outsides of his garment. They were a boy and a girl, meager, ragged, and scowling, but prostrate, too, in their humility. Where graceful youth should have made their features round and gentle, theirs were pinched harsh and wicked no invention of humanity could eclipse these monsters in their horror scrooge startled back appalled have them shown to him in this way he tried to say that they were fine children but the words snuffed themselves out rather than be accomplished by such a
0: lie are they yours they are man's and yet they cling to me this boy is ignorance this girl is want beware them both Beware this boy, for in his mouth, his hands, and his heart, doom has made its wretched home. Waste not a breath in nurturing it. Slander those who tell it to ye. Deny it. Beware this girl, for appetite is as boundless as the heavens, and unquenchable as the fire that swallows up the land. Waste not your fortune in feeding her. Scorn those that seek to stoke her flames. Rebuke it. Have they no refuge or resource? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses?
1: Scrooge fell to his knees in shame and supplication, and the town's church bells rang with a plaintive song. As the last stroke ceased to vibrate, Scrooge remembered the words of old Jacob Marley
5: Expect the first when the clock strikes midnight, the second when the church bell's song has ended, and the last when faith is lost.
1: Lifting up his eyes, Scrooge saw that the ghost of Christmas present had vanished. The town had grown dim, colder, and more cruel. Off in the distance, Scrooge could see the chilling sight of a draped and hooded phantom slowly approaching him like the angel of death.
5: Phantom slowly approached Scrooge in the eerie silence. It was shrouded in a deep black robe, which concealed its head, its face, its whole form. Nothing about the figure was visible except a single outstretched hand. When it came near, Scrooge prostrated himself before the spirit in supulation. The Phantom's eternal presence filled him with a solemn dread. When the spirit reached Scrooge, it neither spoke nor moved. I am in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come. The Phantom
2: answered not, but pointed onward with its hand. You are about to show me the shadows of things that have not yet happened, but will happen. Is that so, Spirit? The Phantom gave a single nod of its head. That was
5: the only answer Scrooge received, although well used to otherworldly company by this point. Although well used to otherworldly company at this point, Scrooge feared the silent phantom far more than any of the spirits that preceded its arrival. The phantom paused a moment as though it sensed his fear and gave him time to recover his bearing. But Scrooge was all the worse for this. It, it thrilled him to a vague uncertain horror to know that behind the shroud was blacker than a starless sky, were ghostly eyes intensely fixed upon him, while Scrooge could see nothing but a spectacular hand emerging from a black void of
2: unknown horror. Ghost of the Christmas yet to come, I fear you more than any specter I have seen thus far. I know your purpose is to do me good, as I hope to be a better man than I want what I was. I'm prepared to bear your company and do so with thankful heart. Will you not speak to me? The phantom gave
5: him no reply. The hand was pointed straight before them.
2: Lead on. Your time is waning fast, and it's precious, I know. Lead on, spirit. The phantom moved
5: away as it had come towards him. Scrooge followed in the shadows of its robe. They walked down the main road, unseen by the few souls that dared brave the dark and cold, and they strolled. Scrooge overheard a hushed conversation.
1: I don't know much about it either way. I only know that he is dead. When did he die? Last night, I believe. What was was the matter with him? I thought he'd never die. God knows. Well, what has he done with his money? I I haven't heard. Left it to his company, perhaps?
0: He hasn't left it to me, that's all I know. (laughs) Should we make up a party and volunteer to attend? I don't mind going if lunch is provided.
5: <laughs> Scrooge shuddered from the cold or from the coldness of the words, I cannot say. The phantom guided onwards. Scrooge followed down the quiet street and went into an obscure part of town where Scrooge had never dared to tread. Though he was unfamiliar with the street names and the dingy shops, he recognized its situation and its bad rupture and its bad repute. The whole quarter reeked with crime, filth and misery. In the midst of this denville repute stood a singularly unknown, a singularly unkind looking secondhand shop. Outside the storefront were two people clinching large bags with hungry looks in their eyes.
1: Every person has the right to take care of themselves. He always did. That's true indeed. Who's the worse for the loss of a few things like these? Not a dead man, I suppose. Maybe if he had been decent to somebody, he'd have shown to look after him when he was struck with death, instead of laying grasping out his last there alone by himself.
5: Nothing truer ever had been said. Scrooge listened to the dialogue in horror. He viewed them with disgust, as though they had been grave robbing in front of his eyes. This is the end, you see. He frightened everyone away from when he was
1: alive to profit us when he was dead.
2: Spirit, I see, I see. The case of this unhappy man might be my own. My life tends that way now. Merciful heaven, what is this? He recoiled in terror
5: for the scene had changed and now they stood in a dimly lit bedroom. On the bed, beneath a ragged sheet, lay something that was covered up. In the corner of the room stood tiny Tim's little wooden crutch glimmering faintly in the dark. Scrooge glanced towards the phantom. Its steady hand was pointed to the mound on the bed. Though the room was dim and Scrooge could feel the beating of his heart in his chest, the small mound eclipsed all with its deafening tomb-like silence. They stood for a few moments in silence. When Scrooge could no longer stand it, he broke through the silence.
2: Spirit, this is a fearful place. In leaving it, I shall not leave this lesson. Trust me, I beg you, let us go. Unmoved, the phantom pointed
5: with an unmoved finger to the mound on the bed. I do not understand you. What have I to do with this? The phantom slowly moved its accusatory finger towards the bedroom door, and though summoned the door opened, and behind it stood the crotchet family, dressed in mourning garb and tearful faces.
6: Mother, are we ruined? No, my sweet girl. There is hope yet.
3: To whom will, will, our debt be transferred?
6: I don't know. Your, your father is at the office.
2: Spirit, please let me see some tenderness connected with this death.
5: The phantom stood still and silent as ever. Slowly the phantom pointed its finger back to the mound on the bed.
6: The dark hurts my eyes. My poor Timothy, my sweet baby. Where is my boy?
5: In horror, Scrooge's face turned white and he clutched the phantom's robe. Martha and Peter embraced their sobbing mother and did their best to contain their grief.
2: Spirit, something tells me that our parting moment is at hand. I know it, but I know not how. Tell me, why do you show me a vision of Timothy Cratchit on his deathbed? The phantom
5: said nothing and continued to point its finger at the corpse of tiny Timothy Cratchit. Without moving, the scene around dissolved into nothingness. In its place appeared a cemetery. The phantom stood among the graves. And when its unmoved finger pointed, stood a gravestone. Scrooge advanced towards it
2: with terror. Before I draw nearer to that stone to which you point, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of things that will be, or are they the shadows of things that may be only? Still, the phantom said nothing, nor moved.
5: Scrooge crept towards the grave, following the finger, and read his own name from the neglected headstone. Ebenezer Scrooge.
2: Spirit, hear me. I am not the man I was. Scrooge threw himself prostrate before the spirit. Why show me this if I am a past
5: all hope? For the first time, the kindly hand of the phantom appeared to tremble.
2: Good spirit, your nature intercedes for me and pities me. Assure me that I m- yet may change these shadows you have shown me. I will honor Christmas in my heart and I will try to keep it all year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, God.
1: house of mouse expo 2024 sponsored by mei mouse fan travel Join over 100 vendors as they converge to weave a spellbinding atmosphere at the Osceola Heritage Park Event Center on March 2nd and 3rd. Ensure you don't miss out and secure your tickets now at HouseOfMouseExpo.com. This extraordinary event is more than just a gathering. It's a haven for Disney enthusiasts, a warm home-embracing fans of all things Disney. Meet Jim Cummings, the enchanting voice behind Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, and Darkwing Duck. Joining him is Brett Iwan, the iconic voice of Mickey Mouse, Caitlin Robrock, the delightful voice of Minnie Mouse, and the incomparable Bill Farmer bringing Goofy to light but hold on to your Mickey ears there's more magic to come encounter Martin Kleba and Kevin McDowell from the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise Ross Marquand from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the fantastic cast of Hocus Pocus 2 craving the VIP experience or looking to join the after hours party ticket upgrades are available now at houseandmouseexpo.com let the magic unfold and welcome home
0: Scrooge awoke in his bedroom on Christmas morning. The light of the new day shone with heavenly brilliance. Scrooge's face was drenched with tears, which he wiped away with his sleeve. Jacob,
2: Jacob, if you can hear me, God praise you. I'm a changed man, a better man. I am here and in the shadows of the things that would have been, may be dispelled. They will be, I know they will. I don't know how long I've been among the spirits. I don't know anything. Never mind. I don't care. I don't know what to do first. I am light as a feather. I am blessed as an angel and I am the Mary as a schoolboy. I am giddy as a
0: drunken man. A Merry Christmas to everybody. A Happy New Year to all the world. Scrooge, not caring that he was in his sleeping clothes, ran straight out the front door of his home onto the streets of town and laughed. Really, for a man who'd been out of practice for so many years, it was a splendid laugh, a most illustrious laugh, the father of a long, long line of brilliant laughs. What day is it, my good lad?
2: It's Christmas Day, Mr. Scrooge. It's Christmas Day. I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. Of course they did. Hello, my fine fellow. Hello? Do you know the poulters on the next street on the corner? I should hope so. Their birds are the best in town. An intelligent boy, a remarkable boy. Go and buy it for me. I'll pay you generously for your efforts. You're pulling my legs, sir. I am entirely earnest. Go and buy
0: it and bring it here, that I may tell you where it belongs. The sooner you get back, the bigger the piece you shall have to eat. The boy was off like a shot. In the meantime, Scrooge caught sight of the knocker that he had seen Jacob Marley's face in. I shall love it as long as I live. Scrooge pat the knocker with his hand. Panting, the young boy was back with the prized bird. My word, you're a fast young lad. The turkey's already here. It's impossible to carry
2: that to Camden Town. Here's money for a ride. See that the bird is delivered to the cratchit household at supper
0: time, and I shall guarantee you a seat at the table and enough leftovers to last you into the next week. Scrooge went back into his home and dressed himself in his finest clothes. Once he was sure that he was dressed to the best of his ability, he stepped out onto the street. By this time, people were pouring forth from their homes, just like he had seen when he stood with the ghost of Christmas present and walking with his hands behind him. Scrooge regarded every person he saw with a delightful smile. He looked so irresistibly pleasant that three or four good-humored people responded, saying, Good morning, Ebenezer. A Merry Christmas to you. He had not gone far when, coming on towards him, he beheld the two alms collectors from the day before. He sent a pang across his heart to think how these two would look upon him when they met, but he knew what path lay straight before him, and he took it. Please excuse me. I hope you succeeded yesterday in your efforts. It was very kind of you.
2: A Merry Christmas to the both of you.
3: Mr. Scrooge?
2: Yes, that is my name, and I fear I may not be pleasant to you. Allow me to ask your pardon, and will you have the goodness to—
1: Lord bless me, Mr. Scrooge. Are you feeling well?
2: Better than I could ever wish. I insist, and not a bit less. Many back payments are included in it, I assure you.
3: My dear sir, I don't know what to say to such charity.
2: Don't say anything, please. Charity can only happen freely and with humility. Otherwise, it's not charity after all.
0: Scrooge passed by the church and admired the steeples and the bells. He walked about the streets and watched the people hurrying to and fro. He patted children on the head and spoke with beggars and looked into the windows of houses and found that everything gave him great joy. He had never dreamed that any walk, that anything, could give him so much happiness. In the afternoon, he turned his steps towards his nephew's house. He passed the door a dozen times before he had the courage to go up and knock. Is your husband home, my dear? Yes, sir. Where is he, my love? He's in the dining room, sir. May I ask, who are you? I am Fred's uncle, Ebenezer Scrooge. Frida's husband could hardly conceal his astonishment to find himself face-to-face with the infamous Uncle Scrooge. Even more shocking was that he found him to be such a kind and gentle man. Frida, my dear woman, where are you?
4: Well, bless my soul, who's that?
0: It's I, your Uncle Scrooge. I have come to visit. Scrooge was at home in five minutes. After giving both his nephew and niece a hug, he begged their pardon. Forgive my brevity but I must finish a small bit of
2: business before I continue the festivities.
4: But Uncle Scrooge, it's Christmas. What business could you possibly have to conduct on Christmas Day?
2: Mankind is my business, but common welfare is my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence are
0: all my business, my dear nephew, niece. Oh, my dear niece. (laughs) As Scrooge approached his counting house, he could see Bob Cratchit and his wife standing at the door. Scrooge had to stifle a chuckle as he thought of the surprise that they had in store. What do you mean by coming here at this time of day? I'm
5: very sorry, sir. I know I'm late. You see my wife? Step this way, sir,
2: if you please.
6: Once a year, Scrooge, is my family not entitled to a decent treatment from you for a single day for the long year?
0: Don't crutch it. I'm not going to stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, I'm about to raise your salary. The Cratchits dared not open their mouths to reply, for they were sure that they were dreaming to hear such words from Ebenezer, Scrooge's mouth. A Merry Christmas to you and yours, Bob. A merrier Christmas, my good fellow, than I have
2: given you for a many year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist in struggling family, and we'll discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a Christmas feast should your wife permit it. Let me make up the fires, and be sure to set aside a tidy sum of your daughter to get herself a new scarf before you, before you dot a single eye, Bob. The weather isn't getting any warmer until spring, and your girl should be warm on her way home. We've got a lot of changes to make Scrooge, Marley, and Cratchits.
0: Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more, and to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good as employer, and as good a man as the city could ever know. He was better man than any other good old city, town, or borough, or the good old world had ever known. Some people laughed to see the change in him, and others were skeptical. Scrooge let them laugh, talk, and question. He did not mind them, for he was now wise enough to know that nothing ever happened on his globe for the benefit of others, at which some people did not have their fill of laughter in. Knowing that there were far greater maladies with nothing to cure them, he was quite content to laugh. His own heart laughed and was joyous, and that was quite enough for him. He had no further intercourse with spirits, but thought of them every day afterwards for the rest of his life. After that day, it was always said of him that Ebenezer Scrooge knew how to keep Christmas. May that truly be said of you and all of us. And so, as tiny Tim Cratchit reminds us, we say unto you, God bless us, each and every one.
3: What is
0: wrong with you? That entire thing is about that punchline, by the way. I know. We did that a whole thing over two and a half hours. So great to Drake could get that
3: punchline. Oh, man.